Just before midnight on May 23, 2019, a massive EF3 tornado tore through our city and neighboring communities. It damaged over 500 homes and buildings and displaced hundreds of families and individuals in some ways. Now, it seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, 2020 alone has felt like five years as we split time into pre-pandemic and pandemic. But for many families whose lives were uprooted by that tornado, chaos and constant change have been the norm much longer than the past six months. Some in our community moved away. Many relocated to temporary housing while figuring out the next steps in rebuilding their lives. And some still find themselves in very vulnerable situations. The international nonprofit organization Habitat for Humanity envisions a world where everyone has a decent place to live. And this is their mission statement. Seeking to put God's love into action, Habitat for Humanity brings people together to build homes, communities, and hope. Now, in response to last year's tornado, our local River City Habitat for Humanity organization brought local organizations and churches and, and people, including our own church, to partner together to build four homes for families displaced by the tornado, in addition to their normal four homes a year. Now, they've raised nearly 345,000 of the 400,000 needed to complete these four homes. And our church, out of your generosity, has contributed just over $25,000 toward that goal. But just as important is the commitment of time and skills. As a church, we've committed to six work days this summer and this fall, volunteering with Habitat and others at these four homes on Jackson Street. And the first week of July kicked off the Blitz Build, and around 20 of our older youth and adult sponsors volunteered each day that week to kick it off. And since then, we've had two Saturday work days for adults, and although the number of volunteers is restricted due to COVID safety precautions, the homes are really coming along nicely. Now this past Saturday, I served with a team of volunteers from our church, and we began with some outside work, caulking some of the windows and installing the soffit before some really heavy rain forced us to move inside and focus on installing drywall on the ceiling for the rest of the, the morning. Now prior to Saturday, I had not done any of these things. I had never caulked a window and it was quite evident in the amount of caulk I had on me and the tape that was protecting the brick when I finished. In fact, I managed to get a nail stuck in a brand new tube of caulk trying to get it open. And that was an accomplishment that Bob Bell and Dale Feeler both said they had never seen before. So clearly, I bring unique skills to the construction site. Now, I've sanded drywall before, but I've never installed it on a wall or a ceiling. But thankfully, our team had people there gifted in this skill. And they knew how to measure and cut and hoist that drywall up into the ceiling. And after they secured it with a few screws, some of us less skilled volunteers were taught how to add the remaining screws to lock that drywall in place. There were approximately 50 questions in the first five minutes, but our very patient teachers answered them, guiding our efforts, and then they released us to do the work. And as far as I know, a week later now, those drywall panels have not fallen yet. And there were times on Saturday where I felt a little like this guy in the back of the truck. 
Yeah. I'm giving it my all, hoping I'm helping, but feeling like I'm not really doing other, anything really other than weighing it down while the rest of the guys are the ones doing the work. And to be honest, I felt like the guy in the bed of the truck a lot the past several months. Maybe you have too. During this season of life, many of us feel unskilled and ill-prepared for what we're facing. We recognize that things aren't working like they used to, that some things are broken. And we know that we need to keep things moving, but we aren't sure really what to do to move things forward. So we hop into the back of a broken down truck, pushing with all of our might to get it moving and it going nowhere. And after months of doing this, we're exhausted and discouraged and feeling a bit stuck. Well, just like I had never popped a window or installed drywall, you and I have never lived through a global pandemic. And we most certainly haven't lived through a year with a global pandemic, an economic collapse, multiple natural disasters, and a presidential election combined. Fear. Fear has an arsenal of weapons and lies, and none are more destructive than the lies that you aren't enough and you're on your own. You aren't enough for the people that you love, the job that you have, the task of the world, the chaos of a pandemic. You're the only one you can count on. And to ask for help or to invite others to join in a solution is probably a sign of weakness, right? Or some kind of burden. The lie that you have to have all the answers and solve every problem, but knowing in your heart of hearts that you can't. So you can see what a cycle, uh, exhausting cycle that this can create. I'm on my own, yet I'm not enough. On Saturday, had it been just me trying to work on the Habitat House, nothing would have been achieved. But I was not. I was part of a team with different gifts and strengths, some with construction, some with providing snacks and drinks, some with a willing heart and a desire to learn. And together, we had the gifts needed to do the work. Together, we were better. Whether we're talking about a broken down truck to be fixed, a house to be built, a nation that is hurting, or a church living out her mission during very hard things, we are better together. God designed it that way. A relational God formed us, knitted us together with unique gifts in a blueprint requiring us to work with others. And when we work together in unity and love for the glory of God, God is pleased. Now the Apostle Paul was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and one of the most influential leaders among the first century Christians. And he wrote a lot of the letters included in our New Testament of Scripture. One of Paul's common themes was the unity of the church. Paul often appeals to the church to live as a single community, not uniform, but rather united. A single community with many gifts, but one heart. I want us to look at one of those writings together from Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially in responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who bring the goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chop-off finger or a cut-off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Paul loved the theological image of the body in describing the nature of the church and uses it in multiple letters. It was actually a really common theme in his day. Speeches which included body imagery were commonly used in times of political turmoil, used to encourage members of the city-state or political or civic group to maintain unity by eliminating discord for the good of the group. So the image of the body was one of the most commonly employed themes for unity in the ancient world, and it still works for us today. In this passage, Paul reminds us with the body metaphor that we are connected to one another because we are one in Christ. Having become part of the family of God and through the gift of grace, Christ followers are now to conform their lives to the new family. And if we respond appropriately to God's grace at work in us, the result will be unity with one another, a unity comparable to the unity found in the human body. Unity, but not uniformity. See, Paul uses the body metaphor in this passage to remind us to be united, but that our united this unity is made up of a collection of diverse parts. The diversity doesn't damage our unity, rather it strengthens it. We are designed to be diverse, and we are to use those differences to promote unity and love. And one expression of our differences is our different gifts. Each person is gifted, but we, do, we don't all receive the very same gift. It's our responsibility to discover what gift one has and then use it for the glory of God and for the good of one another. 
for unity. Now on Saturday, some had the gift of construction, and some had the gift of baking, and some had the gift of encouragement, and some the gift of teaching. Each gift was valuable to our mission. Each gift was needed. Each gift was provided by and used by God to help us accomplish the task at hand that day. And no matter what is ahead for First Baptist Church, God has provided what we need. God is not surprised by anything that we are facing individually or collectively. This year isn't throwing God for a loop. Only four chapters earlier in Romans 8, 28, God, or Paul affirms that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God is at work for good, and we are invited as the body of Christ to be part of that good work. Because when we are committed to the Lordship of Christ, the church has all the gifted people we need. Now, Paul gives us some instruction on how we can live that out. First, the idea that let Christ lead. Commit to the Lordship of Christ. Take your everyday, ordinary lives, your, your evening, your sleeping, your going to work, and your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Fixing our eyes on Christ and embracing what He wants to do in us and through us. Maybe get involved in one of the Let's Talk small groups to grow you and stretch you. Ask another believer to disciple or mentor you in the faith. Make a commitment to read scripture and to create space just to listen to God's voice in your life. Because committing to the leadership and worship of Christ is the first and most important step. Paul also encourages us to stay united in love. We are also worried, weary of the division in our world, but division is as old as humanity. Paul is addressing the very thing, this very thing with the early Christians. And if there's one place that should be able to model what it means to be united, it is the church. God has made us diverse, and diversity is not only welcomed, but it's needed. Some push for uniformity, but that is not what we need to pursue. Unity, being one of heart, one faith community, and one love is our goal. We must not let our differences divide us. We must not let envy of gifts divide us. We must not let fear divide us. Church, we have a mission from God to lead people into life-giving relationships with Christ and each other. And that mission is needed now more than it ever has been. So no matter what, we commit ourselves to stay united in love to our God and to the mission he has given us. And lastly, Paul just challenges us to be what we or you were made to be. We all have a variety of gifts, a variety of skills and talents and experience that we bring that go far beyond any list that Paul includes in his letters. What he wants for us is to be what we were made to be, without anxious, uh, enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. Jealousy and envy destroy unity. Pride and arrogance destroy unity. And the more that we learn to be who God made us to be, the more we can let go of trying to be something that we're not. And when we do that, we are set free to celebrate the gifts of others without wishing we had those gifts too. Now, I have a friend who is a master at encouragement. She loves people well, and it's one of her spiritual gifts, and God uses it to bless so many people, including myself. And I sometimes find myself envious of her gift, wishing I was more like her. But every moment that I spend in envy is a moment I'm not using my unique gifts to be what I was made to be. 
And it's in a moment I'm not celebrating God working uniquely through her. As Paul says in verses uh, 6 through 8 of this chapter, if you preach, just preach God's message. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. Our gifts come with boundaries so that our gifts promote unity, not discord. One body, many parts. One church, many gifts. Now, whether we're talking about a truck to be fixed, a house to be built, a nation that is hurting, or a church living out her mission during very hard things, we are better together. In Christ, we are enough. And united, we are never on our own. God designed us to work together. And when we work together in unity and love for the glory of God, God is pleased. My friends, no matter what is ahead for our church or for you individually, God has provided what we need. Each and every one of you are part of that provision. And when we are committed to the Lordship of Christ, the church has all the gifted people we need. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this gifted church and a mission that unites us in love to work together to lead people into life-giving relationships with Christ and each other. Help us, Lord, to desire your leadership in our life and to embrace the transforming work you want to do in each of us. Reveal to us our unique gifts and unite us as one church, celebrating the gifts in one another as we use them to bring glory to you and to bless others. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I want to take a moment to thank you for your faithful giving. Just this week, our missions leadership team was able to allocate just over $18,000 to our mission partners. These funds will help support the ongoing work and the growing needs related to COVID in Jefferson City, in Missouri, South Dakota, Kenya, and Ukraine. This would not be possible without your generosity, your faithfulness, and it would not be possible without us uniting together in love. And one final word before our benediction today. If you'd like to volunteer with Habitat, we have two work days coming up this week on August 19th and 20th from 7 a.m. to noon. That's this Wednesday and Thursday. And we just added those dates, so there's room for volunteers. If you're interested in serving, you can contact uh, our church at the information on the screen or call the church office. And remember, if they let me use what gifts I have, then they'll definitely let you help, too. Our benediction or blessing as we leave today is from Paul's final words to the Corinthian believers, recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And may it serve as a reminder of our mission to be united in love as equal parts of the body of Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen.